You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the brilliant Jimmy Pardo, who, if you're not familiar with him in the UK, well done for downloading this anyway. Uh, Lots of people in the States will know him. Jimmy is someone who has built an enormous online following uh, over the last few years. He got right in at ground level when it came to podcasting uh, and has built up a huge audience and who, in a very funny way, as you'll you'll hear in this episode, reckons that this show will garner an enormous... He says this will get one of the, the biggest lots of downloads of any of my shows. It's very difficult to, to tell, you know, the play count and stuff. What does it actually mean? Who's listening more than once? All that kind of thing. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to Jimmy being proved right uh, by seeing a huge spike. He predicted a huge spike in um, in downloads for this show because he's got such a massive online following and they, they download and get stuck into uh, everything that he produces. So if you're listening for the first time, if you're in the USA, thank you very much for downloading this one. Um, if you're one of Jimmy's global internet fans and you're not familiar with this show, I am convinced that you're going to get a lot out of this. I'm really, really thrilled with this episode. Uh, for the rest of you who are already on board, it's absolutely quintessential ComCom. This, I think you're going to enjoy it enormously. This is Jimmy Pardo. You are someone who I know from your comedy and from your podcast is you are a relentless riffing person. But I don't, but I also can have a conversation. I can have a serious conversation, but I also like to, uh, uh, I I can see in your eyes that you're thinking of doing a line there. No, 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 I'm not. I'm actually not. I I was actually going to sound like, uh, you know, I use the expression about people that I think are truly funny, uh, called funny in the bones. I didn't make up that expression. It's just one I like to use. Um, where there are people, Richard Lewis, uh, Don Rickles, Johnny Carson, these people, they're, they're funny in the bones. They can't help not be funny. And I fear that I am that same way. Todd Glass, a friend of mine. Yes. Funny in the bones. Absolutely. Whereas there's people that are comedians, and you know them, who they're dullards, but they're great comedians. Like okay. they know how to write a joke. They know how to cra- work the craft. But if you hung out with them, what a snooze. <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite where I don't understand the craft at all. I'm just naturally funny. And so that's what's going to happen here today. <laughs> is it, do you think that's true? Do you think that's a, are you being glib or is that, do you think that's a fair starting point for this conversation? For do me? you, do you genuinely feel like I'm, I'm not, I've got no technique. I'm just funny. I don't, I think, I, I think some could argue that, but then some could argue that I'm, I'm not being fair to myself because I can craft a story wonderfully. I know where the punchline could go. I know that if I'm telling a nine minute story, which I have done, 
many times in my career where, you know, there was a time for most of the early 2000s where I talked about cutting my own hair and it was about a nine to 11 minute story, but there were punchlines every 45 seconds to a minute. I mean, there was still like, you know, the equivalent of setup punch, but in a story format, you know, uh, again, not, not reinvented comedy, but people would go, but it's nine minutes about a haircut. It's like, yeah, but listen to the jokes along the way. Those all could kind of stand on their own. Yes. Uh, so I know how to do that. At the same time, if you or more recently, I'm doing a nine minute story about going to the movies with the other comic, and uh, and then, but there's again, jo- uh, you know, uh, tangents and jokes along the way uh, to getting to that final punchline. Uh, I, th- final I feel like I've heard that. I have heard that going to the to the movies. That might be with on my CD. Yes, it is. It yes, okay, CD. gotcha. Yeah. Um, and it's it's nine minutes long, and it's in uh, the payoff. But there's you know there's a lot of payoffs along the way. Yes. Um, to long long windedly answer your question, I cannot sit down and write a joke. I can't. I can not do it. And there seems to be a certain amount. I mean, you you're being very emphatic and pressing the table there in a way that suggests you would like to be able. to. I would love to. I yeah. would love to. And I've tried my. I've tried many in the twenty plus years I've been doing this nonsense. I I like when I moved to L.A. in '95. I said, you know what? Here's my day. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to go to the pool and relax in the sun, read the newspaper, uh, and then write for a couple of hours, then 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 do my day. And that lasted exactly one day. As I sat down to then write after doing the pool and the newspaper, uh, it's like I, I just – it just seemed forced. I wasn't ever finding the funny. Uh, but if, then if I went on stage and riffed about what I read, I could find the funny. But sitting down to write it – but I've got to – I, I envy the guys – I envy the comics that will say I'm going to go to the coffee shop for a few hours and they come back with maybe two or three new jokes. Maybe ten, but three are decent. Yeah. I can't do it. Why do you, why do you think – why do you envy them? Do you think – and do you think they maybe envy comics like you? Oh, I think they, they do. Can, yeah. Because they always come up to me and go, oh, God, I, I wish I could riff like that. I wish I could work the crowd the way you do. I wish I could improvise an hour like you do, which is what I try to do. Um, it's like, yes, but I do that mainly because that's that is my skill. I'm not going to I'm not going to dismiss that I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. But I wish to God that if I, I that I could sit down and write something and go to an open mic and try out new material and what would it I I think that's absolutely fascinating. And you for comics in the UK or anyone listening to this in the UK or who isn't familiar with you, you are I mean undeniably incredible at crowd work. Thank you. You're an incredible improviser. I started trying to I saw your podcast uh, yesterday, yeah. yesterday afternoon. And um, I tried to write down some of the incredible kind of machine gun speed of like, you did a bit, but it wasn't a bit. I don't think it was a bit, but you, you were talking about um, uh, your, uh, your uh, John Wayne, like your dad was into John Wayne, but then your dad had no eyes. That's because I stabbed them out when I was on meth. Uh, you know, and it was like this incredible trick of like punch, 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 right. punch. And I remember thinking, this, is, this a, is this a bit? Mm. This can't be a bit. No, no. And, and, and it'll never show up again. Of course, it just tumbles out of you, and it's funny, 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 funny. So, with that in mind... Thank you, first. What do you, well, you're very welcome. What, with that in mind, what do you think is driving your desire to be able to write a proper joke? Would that, what would it mean to you if you, if oh, you could do that? Why is it that you want to do that? You know Given what, that you can just walk on and be funny anyway. You know, oh, boy, that's a great... It's, it's, uh, well, I, I, I hate that I don't have the skill. And, and sometimes, quite frankly, I feel the skill to write a joke. I hate it. It drives me crazy. Uh, I also sometimes feel like I'm lazy. Like if I go to a – if somebody says, you want to do my show at the Virgil tonight? Or, hey, Monday, I, I just had a fallout. You want to come tonight? 
I wish I had new jokes that I had been working on that I could try out. Instead, I go there and I know I can do this. I know I can get on stage and be funny for seven minutes. And I don't really – I don't get that much out of it. You know what I mean? That's I get a lot out of it when I go on the road and I do an hour and I'm able to you know, bob and weave and have some fun and find the funny. But if I'm doing a, like a seven or ten-minute set – I, 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 maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should give myself a break here, Stuart. I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, I, I sometimes feel that, that I get off easy on being able to just go up and riff, whereas I wish that I had a purpose sometimes. You get off easy. Like, you mean in the sense that you're not, it doesn't challenge you to do that. It doesn't that. challenge me to do that. That's it. That, but that's the perfect way to put it. Thank you. It doesn't challenge me because I know I can do it. And by the way, it's, it's not always a home run. It could be a double. And then I feel bad about myself because it's like... What do you mean by a double? Uh, oh, sorry. sorry. This is baseball terminology. Baseball okay, I got I'm the sorry. home run, the double I haven't heard uh, of. The double is when you get the it's second fine. base. Okay, yeah. Uh, again, America passed. I apologize. I'll, uh, I forgot we beat you guys in a war. You don't know all of our things. Um, <laughs> quit trying to be funny. Now, listen. Um, when it's a... Knowing that I can go up and just riff, and it's not always just crowd work. It's it's It can be... Like the John Wayne thing's not necessarily crowd Absolutely. work. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Just came out of nowhere, and then there's sure. four punchlines. But and that's very and that should be said. That's very unusual. Lots of people can riff off a crowd. You can riff off yourself. Well, I try to. Or if if I'm doing crowd work, and maybe we're jumping, uh, I'm jumping all over the place here on you, because uh, so so often people like to say, you know, Jimmy's the best at crowd work, one of the best at crowd work. Um, I don't ever try crowd work. To me, is what's your name? What do you do? And I try yeah. to avoid that. I try to find something that they're saying to then will spark a stupid John Wayne type of riff that goes away from the fact that they were even there. It's almost it's, like improv. It's almost like uh, doing improv. You know, we need a place in a location, and then I hope to find the funny out of there without doing any of that. Yes. So uh, God is pretentious as it might sound. It's like it's almost like one man improv instead of. I feel I feel better about that than crowd work because I try not to. I don't try to put people down. Some people argue with me that I don't, but. I don't try to – I never make fun of somebody's appearance unless it's a crazy hat, and then I, I embrace the hat. Like yesterday at PodFest, the guy had on a, a hat that I saw Dom DeLuise wear once, and so I called that guy wearing a Dom DeLuise hat, and he won it on an auction. And then some stupid thing. Then it, then it was a riff. Yes. So it starts with that hat, turns into he won it at an auction, turns into an eBay thing, and then, you know, where does yes. it end up? And it's absolutely not what do you do for a living. He says the job, you slam the job. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, sure. Good it's for the you. Bah, bah, bah. It's, yeah. the, it's the opposite of that. So uh, – Again, long-windedly to get to when it's when I know I can do this and I go to a show like like, like I keep saying the Virgil because we're taping this on a Monday and, the, and it's a show tonight. I'm not on it. I don't know why I keep plugging it. But uh, <laughs> and I go up and it's like, OK, here I go. I'm going to go up and do my nonsense of riffing and and being funny. And when it, if it's not a home run, it's like, well, why did I bother? And because if, if it's just a double, then I feel bad. Like, well, why didn't I deliver it tonight? Why couldn't I? The thing I'm known for. Why did I only get? 60% of what I was looking for. Uh, I, I, does that make any sense at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it's, you're between a rock and a hard place, really, because you want to, like, if you don't feel challenged by the riffing, but also the idea of sitting down and writing, turning in the page of jokes isn't you either. Right. Then what is it? How do you get satisfied? How do I get... Uh, from a short set. From a short set. Yeah. I, see, that's, and that's exactly... And, and that's hurt me in television as well. Like, I've done, I've done late night shows. I did Leno, and I did Craig Kilborn a bunch of times. I did Craig Ferguson, who you very much remind me of. I'm sure you yeah, hear that Yeah, I hear time. that a fair bit, yeah. Um... Uh, I've tried to invite him on the show on the basis that, uh, that we look and, and, and you might actually get a kick out of this, but I'm <laughs> frequently told I look an awful lot like you. Yes. <laughs> By the way, when I saw you at PodFest yesterday, because you, you made eye contact with me because you wanted to introduce yourself, yeah, yeah. I was like, 
and I know Craig yeah. enough that the look you gave me would have been like, oh, Craig just recognized me. <laughs> and now we're going to chit chat. I was like, holy shit, Craig's here. And so I was like, and then when you go, Jimmy, and then as you got literally about to shake my hand, I was like, that's not Craig Ferguson. Yeah. And, but it, it's amazing. Okay. So I've done, I've done the late night shows. I've done the five minutes. Uh, but I don't have an act that lends itself to that. Um, you know, I've worked on Conan for a number of years, and I'm grateful that, I, that I've done panel seven or eight times, you know, where I'm able to sit down next to Conan and talk and be funny. Mm. Because if I was asked, hey, we want you to do a five-minute set, would I don't you, have it. Would you turn it down? I would, I would, and I have. You have. Oh, I have. I've turned down Jimmy Kimmel a number of times. Uh, not, that I, not that I'm great. I'm not doing it out of that I'm better than the show. No, I no, would no. love to go on Jimmy Kimmel. If Jimmy Kimmel said, will you come on tomorrow and be, hey, we just had a fallout. We need somebody to do, uh, be the second guest on the couch. I'm there. I'm there. Absolutely. But if they say, hey, we, the stand-up just fell out, do, can you? No. I, 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 don't, I don't have a five-minute set. And is that, is that kind of self-discipline on your part, that you know you can't do the best job you could do in that circumstances? Or is it the result of, like, have you done it and tanked sometime and thought, well, I, you oh, know, I God, did, I'm not going to do that again? No, well... I did tank on the Tonight Show. That's I've, I'm, okay. I'm very, this is back in two thousand two. Okay. Uh, so I didn't know that, and I feel like it was a leading no, question. Now. No, 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 I know you didn't. <laughs> okay. um, but it had nothing to do. It was a solid set. It was a solid five minute set. It just didn't click. The entire show was horrible. I mean, Jay's monologue bombed. Uh, the first guest was uh, some professor who bombed, and then Marissa Tomei had a bad segment, and then. Uh, I was hoping they'd bump me, quite frankly, and then they didn't. And I went up and, and uh, you know, completely chewed it. I mean, it, it was the first – it lasted about four and a half minutes. And uh, right before I was going to go on, they came back to my dressing room and they're go- they said, we're running a little long on time. And I literally – because it was such a bad show up till then. They said, we're running long on time. I go, are you bumping me? Yeah. And they go, no, no, we're not going to bump you. Uh, Jay wants to have you on. He wants to end the show on some comedy. Uh, but if you're going long – you know, keep an eye out for us. We might tell you that you're going to have to cut your set. Okay. So I was like, why don't we just cut the set? Yes. So I went up, and I'm not blaming any of that. <laughs> immediately I, just fold my, oh, my leg. He's going to make leg get me out of this. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, I went out, and, and my opening line laid flat. The second, and what, was, should, what was the line? Oh, it was, um, oh, just really establishing my character. i uh, tell you a little bit of, uh, tell you a little something about myself. And why not? I'm the guy talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can and, absolutely see that. Dying in a dying room. Dying. Do you know what I mean? Because there's like, right. if they're not switched on, that's a joke. It's not a joke. Joke. It's, it's not a joke. It's joke, not AB, is it? Yeah. It's setting. It's it's setting the character. Yeah. And they weren't in the groove for it, and so it's like, oh, that got nothing. Now I'm not expecting a laugh. I'm just kind of expecting recognition. Yes. And you know, as a comic, when you don't even get that like nod kind of from the audience, yes. like that. Okay, we're on. We understand what's happening. I like. It's like I even literally like felt them going. Ugh. They, oh and then my, my first God. joke is about um, uh, it was about drinking and, and driving and about how I drove into a ditch and uh, you know but I stopped at the ditch uh, I'm not doing it comedically now sure, sure. I stopped at the ditch looked left and right then drove into the ditch yeah and it was the reason that I was opening the set with it was it 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 never didn't get an applause break so it's like let's open with that. I'm going to yeah. get an applause break on my very first line, and then we're off to the races. Yes, and it—I mean, it did not it only didn't get an applause break; it got no laugh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm talking oh, silence, God, silence. And then the rest of the set was a struggle, and then I kind of got him back at the end, kind of. Uh, but then, like, I came over to the couch, and Jay's like, "Hey, great job, Jimmy!" And 
I didn't have the balls at the time to go, you know, what set did you watch? Yeah. And yeah, I wish wow. I would have. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's the other thing. I was told – I was given a note before I went on that uh, because I'm such a loose act, you know, uh, this is The Tonight Show. you got to be structured. You know, even though you're known for being loose, stay to your script. Oh, God. That's and the I'm, worst thing to say. And I'm bombing. Hey, you know that thing you do? Don't, Don't do, do that. it. Yeah. And I'm bombing. So when you're bombing, it's like my instincts were to – comment on it yes. be in the moment but i also thought well at home they're uh, going to sweeten this and it won't look like a bomb at home so just keep going as if like okay. if you ever see the clip i'm smiling i'm acting like it's going yeah, well yeah man but that's so I, the weirdest feeling isn't it because it's contrary to all of your actual sensual all, instincts all about what's going on the physicality it's all about truth isn't it you can't yeah. lie but then in in tv you go yes yeah, sweetness is a lovely expression didn't. so and i looked crazy oh, i looked man. like like i literally like i would hear from the in the through the grapevine that people were like did he not know he was bombing well, of course i knew oh, i'm not an idiot but it, it was it was atrocious. So there should be there should be a code amongst comedians that if you're if that happens and you're expecting it to be sweetened, you just tug your ear yeah. just during a punchline. Just tug your ear in such a way that all the other professionals will go. At oh, least he knew he was bombing. He knew it. He's well aware of it. <laughs> uh, but I've had I, I since had, since then I had done you know Ferguson and, and other late shows uh, late night shows where it went great. So I'm not uh, that didn't scare me off. It just was a horrible experience. Um, and I was even – they even said, hey, you can come – you know, we'll have you back on. That was a weird night. We'll have you back on. I never did it. Never went back on, Jay. Uh, was that they didn't invite you again? Only they didn't, no, they did. Didn't they, they always said – they said, put another set together. We'll have you back on. You know, more, and you decided not to? I didn't. I didn't. Did, you, did you take long deciding not to or was it like a, absolutely not or did you go, oh, if I, I no, could, it I was could like, it back? It was kind of like, nah. Yeah. You know, it's like – it's one of those things where – while it luckily the internet wasn't around as much as it, as it is today, so there, it's not floating out there. Okay. And uh, so I, it's, it's kind <laughs> I of like hear the listenership all going, ah, oh, rats. I was looking forward to that. No, God, I'm grateful. And, and if some a hole ever uploads it, it'll it'll infuriate me. Yeah. First of all, it's now 13 years old, sure. and I don't. I probably don't even like the way I delivered any of those jokes. It is a pretty watered down version of me. The jokes are safe. The jokes are they're made for uh, a Leno set. And, uh, but no, it took me, I was like, no, I've done it. I've got the credit. Talk, talk to me about that. Just a second. Just stay on that idea of watering or like a watered down version or ch- selecting a set for a particular thing. I did my first, uh, TV up set in, uh, not in the UK. In fact, it was in Montreal, the comedy festival earlier this year. Oh, I did my oh. first taping. So I did five minutes at the, at, at the gala. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, yeah. One of the galas is like a gala every other night. Right. Um, and I, I, I had a huge kind of, not anxiety, yeah, anxiety about what do I put in? What best represents me? What's the best thing? I'm a loose act. When mm. I'm best, I think it's because I'm being loose and I'm genuinely improvising. Right. And then you go, oh, there is the the personal temptation, the desire for safety and the potential industry pressure of take uh, my looseness and cage it and varnish it and free, you know, freeze it yeah. and go, hey, this is the guy that's loose and it's not true. Right. So those decisions, what kind of decisions were you making about the material you were doing? Were you just kind of going like that first show? You go, OK, I'm just going to take all of my short applause break stuff. It, and and it, are you then, do you find yourself pacing around running that set yes. on the night or the day before going, is this, can I, will I fit it into the available time? I mean, what, a, what an incredibly weird thing. It's exactly what you just said. And, and, and it, it was for me, like when I did, uh, Kilborn, Craig Kilborn, when he when he had the late show before Craig Ferguson, uh, 
I told that haircut story. I told a five-minute haircut story. So I was loose. It's loose and it's fun. And then when I went on Kilburn the second time, I forget, I had a couple of beats. And it was I still was loose and fun. And But there was something about that Leno set that it was like it, it – you know, when, when they, they over-tweaked it and they overthought it out, and it's like, well, let's move this one here. Let's have you do open here. Let's tighten this joke, and let's lop the tag off this joke. Mm. Like, it, it was almost like when I worked with uh, uh, the woman, uh, Zoe Freeman, who was at Kilbourne, uh, and she just kind of trusted the funny. Yeah. And so I felt loose. And then when I when I had Ferguson, that was really loose. That was, you know, Craig personally invited me to do a show. And he's like, I want you to do my show. And I went out and I, I remember, and, and that one's online. And I'm proud of that one. Yeah. It's not necessarily how I still, how I perform today. It's still a little more structured, but I'm, I'm really proud of that one. That way I was loose and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, exactly what you just said. The idea of taking what usually should take me, like literally if I'm doing five minutes, I'm not done saying hello in five minutes yeah. in a long set, you know, because yeah. I like to go off on tangents. It's almost it's almost like you should go on with two minutes worth planned and just spend five minutes doing your two minutes. I would love it. I would, but I don't think anybody has the the balls to let that risk happen. Yes, you know. Um, and, and isn't that why not? Why isn't there? Given that that's this is the artifact which we're showing on the TV to all the millions of people, right? Why isn't there a producer that says? The guest comedian comes in and the producer says, how do you like to work? What can we most easily do? Would you like us to give you a light and tweak the set? Or would you like us to let you be in charge? Or what would you like? Yeah, I don't know. I guess... I mean, that would be... You know, it's preposterous, isn't it? No, well, it's preposterous. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I think it probably all started with, uh, you know, I don't want to say Johnny Carson, but even before that, with maybe with Ed Sullivan, where they had their tight sets. And it just has trickled down throughout the years. Of, that's how stand-up comedy how is presented is on late-night shows. And, and so to that end, and I think, I again, I've been pretty good about this. I know I'm not right for late-night television. I know I'm not right to do a set on late-night TV, so I'm not going to do it. Mm. And other guys are great at it. They're great at it. And they should – Jake Johansson, great comic, great late-night guy. Todd Berry, same deal. Todd can go on and he's got a structured set. Yeah. But if you see him in a club, he can be loose. He's got the jokes for it. And that's what goes back to where I, I wish sometimes I had those jokes. Yeah. But I know I'm not a late-night guy. It hasn't hurt my career in any way, shape, or form. It's not what I do. Uh and uh, so, you know, we go on with our lives, I guess. So this is Jimmy Pardo. What an uh, what an absolute gent. I love this idea of the self-deprecating blowhard. He's such um, like that warmth that he has on stage and that he has off stage as well is completely uh, addictive and invigorating. He's one of the people I most look forward to going back and seeing again uh, next time I go out to the States. Do check out the Jimmy Pardo show, uh, Never Not Funny, it's called. I've just called it the Jimmy Pardo show. It's not called that. Uh, it's called Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo. And uh, it is an absolute riot. He's completely nailed that that kind of zoo radio feel of having a bunch of people uh, in a radio station talking to, talking over each other. And uh, it's really good fun. But don't miss his stand-up. You must download Sprezzatura. It's just an object lesson in in what Jimmy does in in this wonderful kind of running self commentary that you can you can completely see him. You could just airdrop Jimmy Pardo into any performative situation, and he would completely win the audience over. Uh, such as his warmth, his speed, and his constant building up and then knocking down of his own persona. It's completely addictive. Um, more from Jimmy in a second. This is part one. Uh, we talked for so long that uh, that we, we've got a whole other episode for you coming out tomorrow or the day after. A um, couple of little things to tell you. If you are um, 
Uh, if you're a fan of mine and you're one of these people that goes, Stu, when are you going to do ComCom? When are you going to get asked difficult questions? There is a kind of a version of that available now. Uh, I was lucky enough to be a guest on Richard Herring's Le- uh, Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Rahelistopur. Rahelistopur. Um, so you can download that from where you would normally find it. If you don't know where he is, then um, you're living under a rock. But uh, go to the, the iTunes store. Uh, and if you haven't already subscribed to this show, click subscribe. Uh, and then use the little explore function, which always confuses me because it's a picture of a compass. But what they mean is search. Uh, go to search and uh, search for Rahelling. Uh, uh, Rahelling. <laughs> search for Herring or R-H-L-S-T-P. Uh, and you can hear me uh, creak under the weight of a barrage of confusing and annoying and deliberately annoying questions uh, as uh, Mr. Richard Herring, uh, one of my comedy heroes in my youth and now simply a target for uh, for abuse and the throwing of eggs. Uh, we'll talk about some of my... I mean, it's not it's not like a com-com type interview, but it's a very, very funny interview. We... we I think what, what I try and do is depth and what Herring does is... Like he gets the absolute most out of the surface. <laughs> I'm only, I'm only saying that to him. Uh, I'm only saying that because it's a sort of a, a, a concealed. It's damning with faint praise, isn't it? I'm doing it deliberately. I love Richard, and uh, I know he listens to this show. I hope he's listening to this now uh, and enjoying Mr. Jimmy Pardo. And I, I hope that Richard is cursing himself for not going to America and seeking out new and exciting comics that don't come to the UK. He won't be, of course. He gets brilliant guests on his show. But um, you can download my episode with him. It's the beginning of, I think, possibly series eight but it's just come out and i'm really really proud of it i was really nervous being on his show because he's uh, he's a, a big potato in the world of uk podcasting and um i think it was really good fun so I'll, I'll talk about a little bit about street performing and i talk a bit about this crazy children's tv show i did once with the robots killer robots in the future that was a lot of fun and he also asks me deliberately annoying questions about um uh about whether or not i have a what was, what was the what's the one I think we did as part of his kind of uh, online, you know, special content for his subscribers? He asked me some question about whether I would have uh, whether I'd rather go out with someone who was a giant penis or whether I'd go out with someone whose penis was a tiny man. It's that sort of thing. If that con- if that concept appeals to you, you're going to enjoy it enormously. So go and check that out. Um, some thanks for some brilliant uh, donors. Thank you, those of you who are supporting the show. You can do that in a number of ways. You can buy a T-shirt. You can buy the, the Warwick Johnson Cadwell designed ComCom Pod T-shirt. Uh, that's available at comedianscomedian.com forward slash merch, M-E-R-C-H. And you can select your own size and where you live and all the rest of it. I posted out 10 of those last week. So uh, get on board for next week. There are something like 50 left. Um, or 40 or 50 left something like that so it's limited edition jump in quick and get yourself one of them and please when you do if you're a a person who's bought the t-shirt then take a picture of yourself tweet it at comcompod or email me info at comedianscomedian.com i insist that the rest of you is fully clothed (laughs) it felt very weird slipping a little note into some of the t-shirts i've been sending out um saying hey send me a picture of you wearing this (laughs) particularly if you send it to a woman it felt by the end i was writing feel free to send me a picture that's what i'm requesting um not uh, not some sort of uh, lunging shot uh, but if you could take a picture of you wearing the t-shirt in the place where you listen to comcom that would be great and then i'll uh, i'll retweet those and send them out um thank you to people who have made one off donations including recently david adair martin pilgrim david shaw andy malt dfw gareth edwards and jonathan maplesden thank you for supporting the show uh, with a donation via comedianscomedian.com there's a big clear button on there which i designed myself that you can donate via uh, via paypal or a, a means uh, a, a number of means 
Uh, and if you would like to set up a recurring payment, you can join the likes of Janine Bayan, uh, Leighton Brown and Laura Sorensen. Thank you very much for the recurring payments. They're great. Jimmy Pardo does a similar system. He has the Players Club, I think, where you get... Um, you get kind of extra content online. If I get round to it in the new year, I will set up something like that. I don't know what I could give you in the way of extra content, though. I sort of, I, I feel like all of the interviews I do, I just want to give you all this stuff. Maybe the extra content can be me prancing around semi-clothed in a ComCom pod t-shirt, something like that. Remember to keep uh, tweeting at me with the hashtag break glass, break glass. Uh, uh, tell me your most stirring and most inspirational bits of the Comedians Comedian back catalogue. Uh, I have started working with uh, composer Steve Dunn, who you may remember from Joel Domit's podcast. He's a long-time Domit collaborator. And, uh, and an excellent composer as well. We had a little play around with uh, some stirring stuff that Josie Long said at the end of her episodes with him setting it to his own music. It sounds incredible. <laughs> um, so I think the, the break glass in case of emergency episode of this show is going to be a lot of fun. It's not just your favourite moments. It's specifically the bits that you go back to, the bits that you think of when you're in dire straits creatively, when you've just died on your ass, when you've... Uh, I don't know, when you've had a tough gig, when you are feeling writer's block, the bits that get you out of a hole. That's what we're after, so feel free to uh, tweet me or email me then with the hashtag BreakGlass uh, for the BreakGlass in case of emergency episode. That's all for now. Let's get back to the absolutely electrifying Jimmy Pardo. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Uh, I listened to Sprezzatura. Yes. Sprez? Sprezzatura? Sprezzatura. Sprezzatura. Like pizza, like, but Sprezzatura. I, I, okay. Oh, pizza. Yeah, got it. Sorry. I yeah, thought the you two Zs make the TS. I was about, there have been so many cultural references over that I haven't understood over my last few days in LA. I, my initial thought was, oh, there's a kind of pizza called a Sprezzatura. <laughs> <laughs> but I know there isn't because you explained to me what that sentence means. This is the name of a, is it your most recent album? My most recent CD, yes. yes. Sprezzatura. Yeah. Uh, really, really funny. It's Thank a you. great CD. Tell me again what, because you told me the other day, but you, the, the exact words you used were perfect. What is the word well, mean? You know, uh, it loosely means rehearsed to look improvised. And, and is it a musical notation? No, I don't think it is. I think it comes from the theater. I've looked this up a gazillion times, so I, so I probably should have a better answer for you. <laughs> but, uh, okay. What ended up happening? Why, do, why are my fingernails dirty? What have I done? Um, I'm not kidding. Now, I'm, I, I'm, I said it out loud because I don't want you to look at my fingers and go, why does he have filthy fingernails? Oh, okay. I, I'm, a, I'm a nut freak and a clean freak, and so I don't know why that happened. Um, I, Todd Levin, who's a writer at Conan, Okay. Uh, it was a brilliant guy. And I was in his office one day and I was talking about um, my show because so often because of the way 
that I do my show being so loose. Uh, but I know it's structured. And I said, uh, I said, infuriates me when people interrupt my show because I know what I know where I'm going. I go, it's 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 loose, but it's organized chaos. Yeah. And he said, oh, the Italians have a word for that. Sprezzatura. OK. And I went, oh, my God, that's the name. of my, I'm naming my CD that. Yes. Because it's I don't think there's a better word that describes what I do now, whether the, uh, the definition is organized chaos or improvised uh, or rehearsed to look improvised. I think both are applicable to what I do on stage. Mm. So um, that answers that. Right. Yeah. Long windedly. Are, <laughs> are the am I right in thinking uh, that the track titles on that album are a joke and their song names? They are all song names from uh, the band Chicago. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I should have got that. I got halfway there. It's the track listing uh, from Chicago 13. That's very funny. Yes. Well, you know, uh, Kyle Kinane uh, did it as well. Uh, uh, he, his first CD, they're all tracks from a Cheap Trick album. Okay. And But I always wanted to uh, uh, tip my hat to my favorite band, which is Chicago. Okay. And it was like, well, I'm never going to sing a song. I'm not a musician. I can't cover a tune of theirs. <laughs> so you know what? If I, when, if, when I'm comfortable enough, I couldn't do it on my first two CDs because yep. nobody knows who the hell I am. But now I have a fan base. It's like, you know what? I could finally do what I've wanted to do. And Canaan beat me to it. Oh, man. By still, how much? By how much? Maybe a year. Okay. But okay. I still did it. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, every now and then, Chicago fans will write me angrily. <laughs> well, well I, I'm doing a Google search for street player and you show up. And like, Amazing. Oh, okay. I'd done, I'd done uh, little bits of research. I'd seen, I'd heard the, the podcast before. Uh, I'd seen bits of your stuff on YouTube. I was looking for, I was like, Jimmy Pardo album. And I found this weird word, Sprezzatura, and all these track titles. I was like, oh, I guess there's a different Jimmy Pardo who's a jazz music. <laughs> maybe, maybe Jimmy Pardo is himself. He's released a jazz album. Yeah, so it's a wonderfully obscured. <laughs> uh, yo, must have been crazy. What does that mean? <laughs> Reruns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. So the content of that album, your your style. Let's talk a bit more. Oh, you know what? Can I speak? Yeah, yeah. And that kind of speaks to it. It's like of what I do, uh, and maybe I'm stepping on your question. There's really no way to put track titles for for what I'm doing. That's a good point. Because yes. I'm kind of riffing in the That's moment. That's cleverer than my question. Let's pretend that was my question. Okay, I, I will. <laughs> I'll go over that. Uh, so to, to, the song titles kind of make sense as well for that reason. So like. Well, we have to divide it up, especially in this day and age of, you know, Sirius XM and stuff like that and Spotify and people, you know, uh, Pandora and things being played. You, you can't just have one long track. Uh, so it's like, well, if you've got to call them something, you can't. What, what, you know, what am I going to call one uh, sweater? You know what yeah, I mean? Right. So yeah, it's yeah. more fun to uh, for me. It was more fun to give them the song title. Yes. Yes. So what was okay. your question? So what I was going to ask was uh, for people who uh, who are listening to this, who haven't seen you before. I'm sure they can get a, a sense of the, the speed, the, mm-hmm. the pace of your delivery. Something else I noticed um, you, and I, I suppose it, it's sort of in line with this idea of it uh, being like crowd work on oneself, you know, kind of like the one man, the improvised play mm-hmm. idea. But I've noticed that you enjoy doing a running commentary on uh, what you're saying, how you're saying it, what other people are saying. Like yeah. you're, there's, there's two, at le- there's a minimum of two levels going on. So you are, you're improvising and then you're commenting on how well or badly <laughs> your own improvisation went. Yeah. And like I noticed in the podcast yesterday, you said something to Matt and Matt said something about a sweater and you went, that doesn't work. Sweater's too wordy. Do you know what I mean? And like it was a really, it was like an absolutely on the nose bit of 
instant comedy criticism because I was thinking it doesn't quite work. And then you completely said exactly what I was right. thinking. So where Wait, are that... you saying you said it you're faster than me? Is that what you're getting at? Uh, Is this your way of saying you're faster than me? <laughs> well, now we realize the secret agenda of this podcast. Oh, here we go. This is me. <laughs> I've been doing your act overseas. <laughs> no, what I mean is you said it like it, w- it was perfect because you spoke the thoughts of the audience. Yeah. It's exactly right. In, in a way that like uh, we hadn't really realized it. And, you know, that, it's just a great joke. So w- my question was, how did that develop? Was that something that you always did? Boy, like, that's a great question. I don't know. You know, my, my stock answer kind of for what I do. And this, I don't know if this will 100 percent answer your question, but I, I was a. Let's give me the give me the stock answer, and then we'll pull it apart, and then we'll I'll get to feel clever about myself because I'm like, oh, we took apart Jimmy's po- uh, stock answer. Uh, give me your, let's do that from now. Give me, you give me your stock answer, and, and, then, and then we'll go deeper, right. and I'll challenge you on them. Go uh, on. But this kind of it kind of uh, uh, speaks to what you said. I, you know, I was a great open micer, and that's the truth. When I was doing open mics in Chicago, specifically at a place called the Roxy, I was loose and great and funny, and I would do kind of what I'm doing today. Where it was having the confidence, and, and, that's, and it kind of comes from that, having the confidence to admit, ah, that wasn't the right word. Whereas a lot of comics would go, would go to, you know, if, oh, they didn't laugh, they're, they're wrong. Yeah. You know, but if it's like, if it's the wrong word, you know, I think it's funny to then riff on it's the wrong word, because then you might find three more laughs that you wouldn't have gotten if you just would have laid it, if, it, if, if that would have just laid flat and you just moved on. Yes. Um, when I was an open micer, I did, I think I, I know I did stuff like that because people always loved watching me as an open micer and, and I was, and I took chances and I was funny. And then I started getting paid work and became a quote unquote professional comedian, quit my day job. And, and then I took it very seriously and I was an average white guy working very hard to be an average white guy comedian. Like I, I was, you know, if there was, if I probably wore the sport coat with the rolled up sleeves and the skinny tie and I was doing it almost an impression of a comedian. Yes. Like I, I, I forgot everything that got me booked basically and thought, well, now I'm getting paid. I better I better be a comedian. I better now. rein it in. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I better yeah. rein it in. Yeah. I better again I better tighten up that looseness mm-hmm. and deliver uh, the fifteen minutes that I'm being paid to do. So I kind of was not good as a comedian for a lot of years and then whatever clicked uh, I remember it was uh New Year's Eve ninety two and ninety three where it just kinda clicked. I forget I don't even know why. I was in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it just was like I can't just keep doing this. Like I don't, I don't, I don't remember saying that to myself. But then it clicked. Where it's like, go back to what people loved about you, and then I kind of took it from there. Was that, was that as the result of a, a gig? Was, do you feel like that decision was made on stage, like when a gig was going south because it wasn't loose enough? I wonder or, if it was. You know what? I, started, I don't remember exactly. I, I, I just again, I remember the city. I remember the two people I was working with, um, and I just remember. Just not maybe just not even being happy in comedy anymore. You know, like I, like I, I don't remember. I just remember thinking. I quite frankly, I was, I was I got sick of being told you're the funniest guy off stage. I got you know it's yeah. like because I would hear that all the time and I would be like, yeah, but I'm 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 I'm, I'm being paid. What do you mean I'm the funny? I, yes, I'm funny off stage, but I'm good up there too. And nobody was ever saying that. Yeah. Nobody ever was ever going. You know, it was great to be part of. It. I would never hear that. I always, I I'd go, I'd show somewhere on the road, and people would go, "Oh, you know, who says uh, Gary Laser says hello." He says you're the funniest guy to hang out with off stage. And you know, they're not wrong. Yeah, but you want the compliment to be, "Oh, yeah. Gary Laser loved working with you because he thinks you're." You know what I mean? Yeah. So, all of a sudden, again, I don't know what clicked, but it cl- it clicked, and then I went back to being me and taking chances on stage and being loose. 
and, and, and eventually finding what I'm doing today. I mean, that's 20 years ago now. 90, this was 92 and 93. That's 22 years ago, as weird as that sounds, that I was like, oh, I can't, I got to stop doing that and, and start being more me. And it took me years to get to what I'm doing today with the confidence and the, uh, to, to take the chances and to go down a path and to maybe there's a payoff, maybe there's not. And, um, I had some years that I was angry on stage, you know, working out, you know, relationship issues where everybody was stupid and I'm smarter than the audience. And so I had years, uh, 90, uh, basically all of 95, I was angry on stage and, and the audience was dumb. They're not laughing at me. They're dumb. And, um, and I would lash out at them and call them stupid and, and would that still get laughed? No, no, God, no. <laughs> okay, okay. no, no, no. I, in fact, I speak about this, and this, is, this will mean nothing to your listeners overseas, but there was a booker by the name of uh, Mark Colo. He worked for John Yoder's Funny Business, and they ran, they had owned like 30, they, they booked like 30 clubs in the Midwest here in the States. And I would go to these clubs, and they would tell, over and over, they would tell the booker, we don't want that guy back. That guy, he's not funny, he's angry, we're getting complaints. But they knew I was funny, so they kept – Mark Colo kept booking me, and he would keep sending me back to these clubs. And I'm grateful that he did because I may have been out of the business. I may have been gone because I wasn't being funny. Mm. But now all that said, that year of not being funny is part of what I do today because now instead of just being angry on stage, if I get mad on stage, it's with humor mm. you know, that I may not have found if I didn't spend a year being – Truly angry. That's very interesting. You know what I mean? Yes, because you well, that, that's certainly part of your persona, part of why your persona is so successful is its richness. And it is rich because you're angry with us and you're angry with yourself and you're you're barking and then you're and there are there's there's almost there's parallels with Todd Glass, you mentioned before, yeah. in that there's there's kind of warm anger. Right. Do you know what I mean? With him it's kind of yeah, with him I would say it's kind of warm anger. With you, anger it's not Anger it's not isn't angry. quite right, isn't it? But it's it's a sort of a very high status and a wink about the fact that obviously you don't deserve I, that status. You don't deserve that. You know what I mean? And and and, and, no, and none of this is real. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not yeah. mad at the, you know what I mean? It's like we're in it. Like like the audience is in on it. We're like that year of '95 and maybe maybe a little bit of '96. Uh, <laughs> they weren't in on it. It was they were watching a guy working through issues. Yeah. But again, needed to go through it to find this today that I'm doing today. And do you do you find that you have certain do you catch yourself doing this doing certain systems or certain repeated rhythms do you do you ever kind of given that you're very very loose are there kind of grooves that you fall into of how you approach a subject or how you approach an uh, audience do you need to kind of keep changing it up or is it all just diff- it's always different No time? no there's there, there's definite uh, you know there's uh, you know, there's the skeleton there that uh, that I will fall. You know, or, or no, yes. Hi, I'm Jimmy. <laughs> wow, I locked up on that question. No, it was great. I loved it. Um, no, keep going. Push through. I think you're. No, it's it's. It, what 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 are you struggling with? What what are the two conflicting? I don't know what I'm conflicted. I think I'm conflicted. I don't know why I'm conflicted. Um, ask your question again. Are there please. when you're when you're improvising when you're being loose? Yeah. Are there grooves into which you notice yourself 
falling. Yes. Like like in the, like there'll be a person there. He's you you pretend that he's threatening. Say I don't know. I'm sort of okay. winging this, but like you pretend that he's kind of threatening, and you treat him in a certain way, and then mm-hmm. that gets a laugh, and then you let yourself out of that laugh in a certain way, and and that and you kind of you're aware on some level that oh that's how I treat. Uh, people who I okay. So then, are, are you asking then if I would replicate that a, a, a second show? Not that you would deliberately replicate it, no. But that over the amount, the vast volume of stage time that you've got, mm-hmm. whether you notice, whether you ever kind of go, oh, I, I think I've done that one. Oh, I think I've done that. Yes, one. of course. Yes, of course. Uh, there's your answer. One word. After, <laughs> after, yes. After all my conflict. <laughs> uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but I, I try to make it fresh. You know what I mean? But I think there's some times where it's like, the, you know, the the, the cogs, uh, the teeth of the gears will give you the same kind of reaction to a guy. You know, to use your example of a guy maybe being threatening and to go into the same kind of rhythms that I would. I, I would try for it to be interesting and unique to that individual. But you know what? Hey, that worked in the past. Yeah, so- sure. Sure. You know, they line up and hear it. So, spit what, it out. so what was the conflict about? What did you – what were you – uh, that's a great question. What was the conflict about? Maybe just trying to find those words. Okay. I'm not sure what the conflict was. I wish it wasn't there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I wish I, we hadn't lived through that. Boy, that's a great question. What was the conflict? Because it looked to me like you, I'm completely, I'm wildly speculating, but it looked, my, my instinct was maybe there was something you didn't want to, either you didn't want to reveal or you didn't want to sort of make it sound like, oh, yeah, I repeat the same bit sometimes, or there's some sort of reticence on I your don't part. know. Maybe, maybe, but I, and maybe that's what I was trying to go down when I said the skeleton because that's always there. There are the, you know, there's the, you know, there's the tent poles of, of my act. But then and, I, and are those material tent poles? Material mean, tent okay, poles. Places there, to which you're going to get. But there's also the, you know, uh, and maybe this is where I was conflicted on, on, on answering. Like, I, I'm not 100% sure that this is the answer you're looking for. And it's not because of the replicating. Uh, but, you know, if somebody's wearing a, sh- a, a bright shirt, I might, you know, it might, it'll open up to, to the wham joke, the band wham. Okay. Uh, which I, I'm, I'm talking. Oh, w- w- this is why I was conflicted. Because I do go through phases. Like, right now, wham is getting a lot of action in my show. <laughs> That's, the, I mean, that's and the about truth. time, right? It's about time. Thirty <laughs> years later, it's about time those guys are getting their due. But that's the truth. Like I go through these phases where, wh- like, wham is just. There's a lot of wham talk in my act right now because at the moment you're finding the, the concept of wham or the word wham just funny. At the I, well, I'm in. A, I'm all of a sudden going through a wham phase musically where I'm re- okay. revisiting. Well, the I was going to suggest: is it like a kind of like I, I find I, this might just be me, but you know, you get like earworms. You, know, yeah. you get a particular song. I've got a couple of default songs. That I will find myself humming the march from so and so. If I, you know, this makes it sound a bit operatic. I didn't mean that. Right. <laughs> the last minute, I was going to make it sound like the march from the Emperor's March, but it's, that isn't one of them. That's Star Wars, isn't but, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to. You know, it's been a very nerdy weekend. I didn't want to do another yes. Star Wars reference. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, so I find I have kind of default tunes that must be going on in the back of my head, and then over time they change. You have phases of them, right? So maybe it's something similar. It is similar to that. And, and again, I know this was a really convoluted way to get to. What may not even answer your question, but there are there. I guess that's what I was conflicted. There are these phases I go through, and so it's that. Like uh, who knows? Uh, I forget a couple of 
months ago. I, I, I can't even pull what it was, but I know that I was on some other jag for a while. And that would always be in my act. And then people, oh, it was, oddly enough, it was The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, uh, the okay. song by Garden Lightfoot, where I would act like I was an expert on the Edmund Fitzgerald. And, <laughs> and it would be no matter, but it was only lines from the song. That was the only, that's the only thing I know about that okay. damn event. But I would, they would somehow be part of, like if somebody would answer a question with the audience, somehow The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald had an answer for me. You know what I mean? Okay. And so okay. I went through this phase and then like, because I, and it was really in, in peak form in Peoria, Illinois. And when I went back to Peoria, a guy said to me, I can't wait to see that Edmund Fitzgerald stuff again. I'm like, I don't, oh, that's not going to, that's not even near the surface yes. of being able to talk about. Now it's all wham, baby. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> okay. Okay. So I do. Yes. I was talking about your your persona and that idea of the the warmth and the kind of the status. Mm -hmm. What other what other elements do you think are kind of central? To what, what, who do who do you in your mind who do we the audience see when you come out on stage? Oh boy, that's a great question. I don't. Uh, uh, you know, I called myself. Oh, what did I say once on my podcast? The uh, the something blowhards. And I think I'm. A, I, I think that's the. It's like I'm a self-deprecating blowhard. Yeah. And I think it's fun to. That's a great. Isn't that kind yes, of? Yes, that's lovely. Because I, I, I'm not afraid to laugh at myself. I'm not afraid to put myself down. At the same time, and I always like to joke, the audience is the enemy, and I, and they're wrong. I can never be wrong. Yes. And so they're always being reprimanded. Yes. But yet, they know that I. I know I'm wrong. You know what I mean? That's so great. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what it is. But it is yeah. a blowhard. I don't mean any of it. You know, it's comedy. I'm not, you know, I'm not political or anything either on stage. So it's not like I'm, when I say I don't mean any of it, it's not like I'm taking a stance and, oh, he doesn't really believe in that. Uh, He's not really into sweaters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am into sweaters. I love them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I think that's the best way to put it. It's like a self-deprecating blowhard. Um, let's talk about, so you work on Conan. Yes. And the work you do on Conan, I believe I have heard you interviewed elsewhere. What I, I you didn't talk about it explicitly, but you do the warm up. I did the warm up. You I, did the warm up. I've since left that position. I, okay. I'm now uh, in a development deal with Conan's company uh, to create my own show. Uh, but I was his opening act. I always said opening act because warm up comic to me is always the guy that comes out, kind of acts like, and, and some guys are very, very, very good at this. They're, uh, they've got to entertain that crowd every commercial break. They've got to entertain them for a half hour before the show starts. They have to stay there. Basically, they're holding their babysitting, holding their hand. They've got to be energetic for several hours, and they're warming up the crowd. Keep it going, guys. You guys I've, are doing great. I've done a lot of that work, and I'm going to think of it as babysitting from oh, now oh, on. You've done and it. I, I've done loads. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure not by your standards, but I've, I've done a good, way, a good bit. I... So when I when I was asked to be the warm when Conan O'Brien moved from New York to L.A. to take over the Tonight Show and they contacted me, uh, Andy Richter was kind enough to suggest me for the job. Uh, and I, legend has it that he said, uh, "The guy in L.A. that can riff from five minutes to an hour, that has the same sensibilities as our show, is Jimmy Pardo. That's who you should hire." Mm -hmm. And they were smart enough to do a little research and trust Andy, and they and they called me in for an interview. And they said, we want you to be the warm-up act. Now, I took the meeting because how do I not take that meeting? But I didn't want it to be a warm-up act. That was not my intention. desires in Hollywood was not to be 
the warm-up guy throwing out candy and having people do dance contests. That wasn't <laughs> yeah, my bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not done either of those things. Well, you're never, lucky to never not. will. Yeah, right? I because mean, that, exactly, that's the warm-up. You don't want to be the warm-up. I don't want to be the warm-up. Yeah, yeah. So when they said, I said, well, I really don't. I'm not sure, guys. I appreciate the meeting. And uh, they said, well, no, 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 no. You don't have to do any of that. You just go out. And at the time, when I first started, the warm-up was only doing maybe seven to eight minutes. You know, you go off for seven or eight minutes, and then you're done. You then, do, you, then you go off and do a gig. You go off and do a gig. You go yeah. off and go home. You go, yeah. you, you, know, you stay and watch the show if you want, whatever you want to do. And I was like, wait, what? And they go, oh, yeah, you just go out. Yeah, you got to hit the, don't, yeah, you turn off your phones. Hey, here's your exits. You got to do the legal things mm-hmm. uh, that are involved, the, you know, the safety legal, and then also the show business, turn off your cell phones. Don't yell out like an asshole, you know. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, we really just kind of want you to do comedy. And we watch what you've done, and, and you're the right guy. So I was like, well, how do I not take this gig? Mm-hmm. And I took it, and I wasn't good at it. I was not even good at that for a little while. I had to find my footing on how to – because that audience doesn't know that this warm-up experience is going to be different. They're kind of wondering, why isn't this guy running up and down the aisles? And I tried to do that. I tried to run up and down the aisles. It didn't work. Eventually, I just settled standing right in the middle of the stage as if I was doing a show, and it clicked. And then The Tonight Show ended, and we had a little hiatus. And we came back at TBS and I was lucky enough that they rehired me. And then it just was, I just, once again, was just became me. You know, almost like, it almost mirrors my stand-up career in that when I was at the Tonight Show with Conan, I was trying really hard to be a warm-up act. Mm. And then once we went to TBS, it's just like, you know what? They rehired you. They believe in you. Be you. Be funny. Do what you do. Riff. Be in the moment. And I had a great time for five years doing it. And then it was time to leave. Uh, you know, they felt it. I felt it. It, it was – and so when they came to me and they said, hey, we want to transition you out of this warm-up thing and give you a development deal, uh, it was the perfect time because I, I wasn't going to – I was going to treat it like uh, – you know, my buddy Jimmy Dore has got a great joke about college is like a strip club. Uh, uh, you, you, you don't drop out. You leave when they ask you to. Yeah. Uh, or when it, no, you leave when it closes or something okay, along those lines. Okay, yeah. I just mucked up his really good joke. Uh, but I felt that way about this Conan job. It's like, well, I have a paid gig in Hollywood. It's literally, and then by, by the way, as time went on, it went from seven minutes to eight minutes to where like I was doing close to 22 by the time it was over because they kept expanding my time because I, I was good at it yeah, and I was the right guy for the job. Yeah. And then when they came and I was going to stay there until they told me to leave. And then they called me in for this meeting one day and said, what do you think about this? I was like, love it. So yeah. I still kind of work with them there, uh, but I'm not there every day anymore. Do you do you feel there was a stigma attached to it, not just in your own mind, which are, you know, that thing of like not wanting to be the warm up. Do right. you feel there was a stigma attached to it in how you were regarded in the comedy industry? Well, ordinarily, I'm going to say yes. And I and I bent over backwards to over explain it like I almost just did here to you. But I remember feeling but I'm not the warm up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. I'm the opening, I'm the, which is why I, I ended up calling myself the opening act. Yeah. Because, it, A, it made me feel better about it because I'm not saying I'm a warm-up. <laughs> yeah. And when they go, oh, I hear you're doing warm-up for going Well, I don't really do a warm-up. It's, uh, I'm an opening. I get to go out and then I don't have to stay. Like I did because of, because of the stigma. Um, but then once it was like, you know, to myself, you know, it's like, but it's Conan O'Brien. It's not some bad sitcom on the CW. You know what I mean? This is, this is one of the – Great late night host of all time, you know. Be proud that you work here. You don't have to, you know. Uh, you know, always, you know, clarify it or you know, defend what you're doing. You got hired to open for Conan O'Brien. This is great. So eventually, I settled into that as well. 
And um, do you do you stand by that now? Now that you've finished, and you don't do it. Do you do you kind of think yeah, I was basically the warm up guy? Um. Of course, of course, I was basically the warm-up guy. I mean, that, you know, that was my title. That's what it said on my chest. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. yeah you, you, know I, you in the original meeting. Oh, you can call it what you want, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Never get you through this, jerk. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I got very lucky that when we came back at TBS, uh, although I did do one remote for the Tonight Show, um, they and my personal appearance agent actually said that that this is the one show that he believes that once they see how funny I am. They will – I will branch out. And sure enough, I did a remote for The Tonight Show. It ended up not airing. I forget why. Uh, and then um, when we went to TBS, after we found – after the show found its footing, I ended up doing remotes. They gave me my own web series, you know, The Pardo Patrol, where I would interview yeah. celebrities backstage, uh, which I did 30 of those. Um, you know, I filled in for Andy Richter when he mm-hmm. couldn't uh, show up for a couple of days because he had a different thing to do. What was what was Andy Richter's role in the show? Oh, he's Sorry, the, not... he's, he's the, uh, the co-host. Gotcha. Okay. So, so, yeah, uh, you no, know, so I... we don't get it in the UK. Oh, you know, I've seen okay. bits of it online, but only, only uh, Conan's bit. So they asked me, they called me up one day and they said, Andy can't be here a couple of days next week, maybe even the whole week. Conan wants you to co-host with him. And I'm like, like, do you want to do that? I'm like, yes. I've been, you know, my joke was I've been slowly poisoning Andy every day for this phone call to happen. Yeah. And so it's like they... So that, that also made me feel better about being this warm-up act. Like, it, it, it's because th- nobody treated me like a warm-up act. Yes. Here I am. Hey, Andy's not going to be here. Who do we get? We get Jimmy. The depressing thing, I think, about warm-up or what can be, what the act can feel about warm-up is that, I mean, there's a, a famous story about a comic on the UK circuit who was doing warm-up for a panel show with seven comics and one of them dropped out and the producers came and said, hey, we've had a dropout. You're a comedian. Do you know someone? Oh, God. And that that's everyone's. For the benefit of the listener, uh, Jimmy is clutching his head in despair. I am. Because, because <laughs> that's that, everyone's nightmare, Could right? you imagine? my? If that happened to me... Um, like if all of a sudden that day where Andy wasn't there and I had, I had since found out that they were thinking about because it was at the same time like the ESPYs were in town, ESPN's mm. uh, sports awards. And then something else was in town. They're like, well, maybe we can get an athlete. You know, maybe, you know, John Hamm is a uh, is a friend of the show. Maybe John would have some fun co-hosting. Maybe it's a different celebrity every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Conan, to his, he's like, no, no, Jimmy Pardo is the right way to go here. And so if they had gone with another comedian mm-hmm. like – I I literally I think I would I don't I can't this is of course hindsight would I have sobbed would I have gone to my car and punched the steering wheel like what I don't know what my reaction would have been would I have quit like because I, I know I would have had a reaction I would have been furious if they or if they came to me Andy's not going to be here uh, do you know anybody yeah. oh my god like yeah or you know anybody do you think John would do it like I would have just been crushed but luckily that didn't happen. <laughs> So that was Jimmy. More from him tomorrow or the next day uh, from ComediansComedian.com. Remember to subscribe at iTunes uh, and uh, we should be getting hooked up with our own unique iTunes address soon, which will be nice. I don't know if it helps, but it'll certainly sound pretty classy. Uh, thanks to Steve Wilson, who's one of the uh, the iTunes heroes, uh, one of the podcast ledges that, uh, that I met in L.A. where I recorded this episode. Uh, more from Jimmy Pardo in the next episode. Uh, remember to email me info at ComediansComedian.com or tweet at ComComPod. Uh, If you'd like to suggest guests, find out more about the show, give me your feedback or indeed suggest episodes of your favourite moments of episodes. Give me a time code if you can or a rough idea of when it happens in the app, um, because that'll make it easier administratively administratively this end. 
Uh, get in touch with me and suggest uh, your most stirring and inspirational moments and we'll whack them on the 150th episode, Break Glass in Case of Emergency, to come out mid-November. More from Jimmy soon. Thanks to everyone that donated. I'll speak to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.